Hey, sipsters. Hey, I didn't see you there. Uh, so hey, listen, it's Editing Anna. You're getting me today, hello, instead of a cold open. Uh, partially, this is blamed on mom. She said something really funny before we started the recording proper, and then she told me explicitly not to use it as the cold open. So here I am having to come up with something else. But there uh, is something I actually do need to mention before we start. I am speaking into a new microphone right now. I will mention this in the episode, but I was also speaking in this new microphone in the episode, and it turned out there's a bit of an echo. The audio got a little a little bonked. So uh, as you're listening, I just just remember I am sorry. I apologize uh, for any audio weirdness. But on the bright side, after having just edited it, you kind of start to not notice it as much. Uh, you just kind of have me my parts echoing a a bit. I kind of sound a little like an alien. Uh, I hope you like hearing my voice twice. So yeah, that is what's happening. Just wanted to put a little disclaimer that I know the audio is weird and we're all going to have to deal with it together. Okay, so that being said, uh, I hope you enjoy the episode anyway. Love you very much. Okay, bye. We'd like to remind you that the information contained within this podcast reflects our own personal opinions and should not be held as any kind of official recommendation. That's right. This podcast is for our own purposes. It's educational mm-hmm. and, and for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Edutainment, if you will. <laughs> We're just a couple of yahoos with master's degrees, and this isn't a professional capacity. So if as you're listening to an episode, you feel that maybe you need help with your own mental health, please do contact your own doctor or a therapist. And finally, we try to stay pretty clean with this podcast, but sometimes we slip up and sometimes we just talk about weird stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> it might be not safe for work. You'd probably better listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. Hi. <laughs> we almost did the exact we same time. Did. Hi. Hi. Hiya. Hi, Mom. I listened to old episodes today while I was mowing the grass, and I listened to the one episode where we talked about maybe having a a new way to say hello because it was like the beginning of a new sure. year. Yeah, it was the one where we said we should say "How do do." <laughs> Still think we should do that. I'm thinking we were freaking funny back then. Oh, we've changed. We're not funny. <laughs> I anymore, think we're folks. Much- folks, <laughs> thanks for joining us. We're not funny anymore. Says Mom. <laughs> don't tune out we might still yet be funny we might surprise you and us you never know we Mom, might be do you notice anything different about my microphone you have a new stellar star microphone it is silver sipsters it is sexy and sleek it is so chic it's i like it a lot she looks like she's famous thanks and i also have a microphone in front of me <laughs> Mine's still black, but I'm okay with that because (laughs) I'm used to it. She's using her good old microphone. Yes, it's been good to me. My old microphone gave up. It didn't crap out. It still it still works. It's still fine. The the headphone jack is just weird. So well, so it doesn't. So it doesn't really work. That's old programming (laughs) in your head. When something doesn't work on it, you just got to go. Okay, it doesn't work anymore. What do I do with it now? You give it. You give it a burial. No, I'm gonna keep it. 
Okay. Because we need a third one. If we have a guest exactly. on the podcast, okay. Someone else can use fancy silver microphone, and I'll use the one without the headphone jack. No, I think a guest should use the one without the headphone, <laughs> and they just talk, they and just, they just trust they us. They don't care. Yeah. They don't, they're not professionals like us. <laughs> they don't need the, the headphones to know how our voice is sounding, mm-hmm. so we can measure our voice. <laughs> Especially when your voice does that. It does take measurement. <laughs> so, Mom, do you want to know what episode it is? A thousand four? That's right. We've I done a thought so. <laughs> 80. One? 84. 84. Mm-hmm. 84. Those last three just kind of went by me. Like, yeah. <laughs> Well, you, you do haven't asked in a little while what episode it is. That's true. You just episode you stopped caring. 84. You know what I read this week? That if you stand, see how I'm standing, Anna? I'm sitting <laughs> She's actually. Doing like but, a Superman pose. Yeah, like a, or Wonder Woman. I think of it as Wonder mm-hmm. Woman. Not to be sexist, but I like Wonder Woman stands. I read that if you stand like that for two minutes a day, you feel more powerful. It's called a power stance. That's literally what they call it. That if you stand in a power stance, I for should two have minutes. thought of that. <laughs> you know, I've been doing this since you were little. Do you remember that? <laughs> that sometimes I would just stand. There. I mean, it's just a thing people do. It's just a stand. There's a finite number of ways people can stand. I think. <laughs> my late husband used to call it my Peter Pan stance. You remember? Oh, he'd yeah, say you're standing like a- Peter Pan. Yeah. But I like Wonder Woman better. The uh, the other day I realized that I am just becoming more and more like you every day because my back has been hurting more recently. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I've been like moving furniture and stuff in my office. So I, it's it's legitimate back pain. But I was it was hurting so bad that like I couldn't breathe very well. Mm-hmm. Like my, my my ribs were kind of out of place, and I find myself going. <sighs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why mom used to breathe like that. Hmm. That's exactly Interesting. right. Yeah. <laughs> called pain (laughs) pain breathing so i'm just becoming more and more you every day oh i'm so sorry (laughs) i'm not thanks baby (laughs) i don't want you to have to do the pain part though yeah i mean i want you to do all the fun parts about me there are some fun parts about me i've already got those okay Except the Peter Pan stance. I guess I don't have that. I, <laughs> I might do I the whole episode this way because I need to feel powerful. It makes her feel powerful and strong. Actually, it's about my back. <laughs> that's kind of what I thought it was. That's, that's what actually brought me back to the, to the back pain thing. I was like, oh, she probably does that because her back hurts. That's exactly right. Thing. Yeah, it pulls your shoulders back. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now she's kind of doing the chicken dance. <laughs> she's moving her arms. So this has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. No. What is it? It's our podcast, Mom. We can talk about whatever we want. We can. Oh, my gosh. That could be dangerous. I know. You're just now realizing. 84 <laughs> episodes in, you're like, wow, we can talk, wow, talk about anything. Holy crap. <laughs> Anna, you told me the police would come if we didn't stay on topic. <laughs> the FCC or whatever yeah. the people are. That- get shut down <laughs> by the podcast police. <laughs> we have a delightful wine today. Yes. Kind of a summery wine, even though it's not quite summer. It is. It's it's a, a seasonal selection. It says on it's the bottle. Strawberry, strawberry moscato. Moscato. Which I'm not usually like. Moscato is usually too sweet for me, but this one is pretty good. It's mm. not not overly sweet. It's like having a strawberry. It's mom. Mom did say it was like sucking on a strawberry when she first took a drink. <laughs> yep, that's what I said. <laughs> that that's was her, me, the classy broad in the bunch. <laughs> Her pro review of wine. It She's was an expert excellent. sommelier. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did a little, you know, sniffy thing and she twirled, twirled it in my glass, took a sip, in. and then I said, it's like sucking a strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> and then you spit it into a spittoon. Yeah, I would never do that. It's <laughs> a waste, waste of good wine. I would never waste wine like that. <laughs> so what are we talking about since the podcast police will arrest us if we aren't If we don't topic? tell them? Well, we are talking about hoarding today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And actually, the the reason that I kind of wanted to do the episode was because I was recently working with a client who wasn't themselves a hoarder, but was dealing with their no, mother who is a hoarder. So it's harder in a lot of ways. It is. It is hard. Which so we will tap into. We're going to try to unpack hoarding today. And you know, I thought about. We're going to try to clean out the the hoarding, the living room of the hoarding, and we're going to unpack. We're going to clean it out. You can stop me at any time. I wish that they could see your hand (laughs) movements when you do that because it just loses something when you can't see Anna doing her. Well, it's kind of like, I always think of it as kind of like, you know, when you're on a phone, like you're on a phone call and they say that if you're smiling, like the person on the other side of the line can tell you're smiling. I kind of think of that as, as our motions as well. Like it helps my energy level and they'll be able to tell. Oh, that's that's really insightful. Thanks. Welcome. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, uh-huh. um, I was thinking about, that we've said this before in, in previous episodes where we talk about something and we say, you know, this word has been used so much in culture that we overuse it. Like yeah. we, and I, I know we did that with OCD and we've done it with depression and anxiety where we say, you know, we kind of throw that word around a lot. We're going to talk today specifically about if you would be diagnosable right. as a hoarder. But honestly, I don't know, like hoarding is one of those ones that I think even though it has been used quite a lot, like it's been used in the way that it really does mean. Like I don't I don't think I have as much of a problem with like hoarding being like misconstrued by overuse as I do with like OCD or like some of the other stuff. He's in there. <laughs> the, the dog was. You can hear the dog jingling and just I'm like, looking around. Like, is he low? flying in? <laughs> when dogs fly, went, <laughs> it was very strange. The sound was coming from everywhere. <laughs> the flying monkeys, the flying dogs. I don't know. And your little dog too. And it just flies in. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to distract you from what you were saying. Mom, we, we, the podcast police are going to come for us today. We, 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 we are the podcast police. Drop that episode. Can't record anymore. Step away from the microphone. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, people say just, gen- you know, like they're kind of messy yeah. and they have their sure. messy desk and they're like, oh, I'm a hoarder. You know, mm, that's what yeah. I meant. So we're gonna we're gonna actually talk about when it gets Actual serious hoarding. when yes. it gets pretty clinical serious. hoarding so hoarding disorder yeah right so it's actually a disorder it is actually a disorder. in the DSM five most things are <laughs> you can fit everything in there <laughs> but it didn't become an actual diagnosis on its own until the DSM five before that I'm I'm looking at you like should I say this part. <laughs> Sure. We don't have, have my permission. We don't have an outline, and my OCD is kicking my butt. <laughs> Mom always gets a little freaked out when we don't have an outline. Who's doing what? Who's when, doing what? We were both just like, let's when, let's research. When should I talk? Because often 
parting the curtain, we do we do have like an outline, and then we kind of go like, okay, I'll do this part, you do that part, I'll do this part, and then there are some weeks where we're just like, nope, let's just research. And mm-hmm. those weeks, mom always gets a little tense. And it seems appropriate that for hoarding, we didn't have an outline. It's just very chaotic and piled up all over my computer. the notes are just piled. Right. Oh, my goodness. So in the previous editions of the DSM, hoarding was actually a criterion for obsessive compulsive personality disorder and OCD. Which is interesting because it's kind of, it's one of those square rectangle situations where like, I I think... Like, every hoarder probably has a bit of OCD, but I don't think every person who has OCD has hoarding, you know? Oh, I completely agree with that. Yeah. So I think that's probably why they... Like, I'm surprised that that was a criterion for OCD, because I think so many people wouldn't have that. Right. Well, maybe that's why they changed it. They figured it out. (laughs) Took them five DSMs to be like, hmm, I think we got this one wrong before. Although, I mean, it took them like three DSMs to not, like, demonize homosexuals. Well, that's (laughs) very true. We shouldn't very hold true. too high a That's bar. That's a, l- a little more significant, <laughs> I think, than this. Okay, so do you have the DSM-5 yeah, definition? I do. Uh, so according to the DSM-5, the, the definition of hoarding is, um, I mean, the criteria for hoarding, I guess I should say. Um, so obviously the most basic is there's a difficulty discarding things, and that's regardless of the value of things. It's not like people who hoard keep things that are expensive or keep things, I mean, like, they have reasons for keeping the things that they do, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, but it's not it, its not like they're keeping them because it has outward value that we would look at and see as valuable. Right. Um, and they have this need to keep those items, and it actually the need to keep them is so strong that it leads to distress at the thought of discarding those items, at the thought of getting rid of them, um, at the thought of just giving them away. So, I mean, there's a lot of distress that comes with just, like, not hoarding, basically. Mm-hmm. And so obviously that leads to accumulating things uh, that the DSM calls congest and clutter living areas. And it compromises the use of those intended areas. So, you know, rooms and hoarders, houses that are supposed to, you're supposed to be able to sit in them. You're supposed to be able to go to sleep in them. If it's a bedroom, you just can't use it for that kind of stuff because there's too much stuff in there. Right, right. It does mention that if living areas are clean, it's because of third parties intervening. Mm -hmm. Like family, like cleaners. Um, authorities sometimes have to come in. So I will I will come back to this several times throughout this episode, but as I was researching, I watched some episodes of Hoarders. Oh. Uh, let me clarify. I, I watched one I whole episode it. of Hoarders, and then it. I watched five minutes of the first one. It wasn't mm. even particularly bad. I was just like, hmm, I don't want to watch this anymore. Mm. <laughs> it just makes me feel very anxious to watch it. Oh, it, it. does. Me too. I and can't. it's really sad. It's just really sad. And, and yeah, you look at these people and they just have no space to live in their houses. I mean, some of the ones I looked at or I watched, the the police had even basically been like, your house is not up to code. It's not safe. You can't live there. Mm. And, and people like couldn't live in their houses until they got some of this figured out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it gets it gets really, really bad. Well, and like you said, the, the, the empathetic side of you when you watch those kind of shows thinks, you know, how sad for that person that they, you know, they they can't have people come and visit them and they yeah. can't have a normal life. And we talk about that all the time that we know when, when something goes into a dysfunction, when it's a mental illness issue, when it interferes with your everyday life. Yes. And this definitely does if it gets to that point. Yeah, that's and that's the next part of the DSM condition is just it has to cause significant distress, which is something that I feel like we shouldn't have to say every time because that's just part of every DSM like diagnosis, diagnosis is yes. yeah, it just has to 
cause distress in your life. It has to disrupt areas of your life, and this obviously does that. Um, and then it has some qualifiers. So the first qualifier could be with excessive acquisition, which is weird because you to be a to hoarder, ha- yeah. yeah, you yeah. have to be acquiring things. I don't, I don't know how you wouldn't have that. Basically. I mean, I guess that might be like if you're a person who buys things all the time. Yeah, but Acqu- what's the alternative there? Steal it. Steal it. <laughs> if you steal it. If you give it to you. Like if it's, oh, I don't know. If it's currently ongoing. I mean, you might go, you might have a client who's already oh, maybe, completely filled up and doesn't, ex- doesn't acquire any more. I don't think that's like, It never stops, no. is my understanding. No, of I don't it. think yeah. hoarders ever get to a, a place where they're like, oh, there's enough stuff in here. No, no. <laughs> they're, they, they just, they're going to keep hoard. I mean, that's, it's the compulsion to keep getting more things because of a safety feeling is kind of what it goes back to right and then the other qualifier is uh with like how much insight you have about it which a lot of dsm diagnoses have that where you basically say like okay they have good insight about it like they know they're hoarding you Mm -hmm. know or they could have fair insight where they like kind of know there's a problem or it could be like no insight or even there's delusions that come with that so so that's where the dsm stands on it and that's a significant thing for uh hoarding diagnosis is that it's a high percentage of people, mm-hmm. even higher than some other mental illnesses, where they can't see it. Right. They won't see it. Right. And they're resistant to changing anything. Yeah, it was interesting. One of the episodes that I watched, um, the lady, like the first thing she said in the episode was, I don't I don't see myself as a hoarder. I see myself as a saver. Oh. Like she saves that stuff. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, they really, I mean, they really do have rationalization for it. And they really do um, think of it in certain ways. And they don't. Like, they know when it's disrupting their life, but they still have a really hard time recognizing that it's because of their behavior. Right. You know? Exactly. So then some, some basic stuff about hoarding, um, just kind of how how common it is and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It, it says, what I found said it occurs in an estimated 2 to 6% of the population, mm-hmm. which seems very high. That's, that's I a guess, lot. I guess the point, though, is that just like everything we talk about in in mental health it's a spectrum yeah so there are people who you know because one of my notes that i would get to eventually is that that they actually do have official not the dsm but levels of it yeah the different levels of it so so if you you know maybe part of that is that some people are not really you wouldn't look at them and think oh they're a hoarder right yeah well so in the the first episode i watched they have a little thing that they play at the beginning of the hoarders episodes that's like hoarding is a, a, a thing where you get a bunch of shit i don't know what they say <laughs> they have a little screen that explains it and then they say it affects this many you know million people the first one i saw it was like it affects three million people you know in the in the united states or whatever it, it and i was like oh wow that's a lot and then the next episode i watched must have been from yeah it was from a later season and it said almost 16 million people and i was like whoa oh, wow, what that happened between it. season one and eight whoa what's going on was it the pandemic because that might have been part I don't think of it, it was just before that i don't know uh, <laughs> yeah i was like okay that's uh that jumped a little Maybe we should stop doing hoarders the yeah. show because I was, people, people are like, "Hey, it. I'm going to do that." Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't think that's it. Disclaimer: I don't think that's what's going on. No, there's some research that shows that hoarding disorder is more common in males, but huh. all four stories I saw on the TV were female. On the TV, so take that, take my anecdote and smoke it. Statistics. 
and studies. studies. I don't know. I think, though, that that shows that same thing that we sometimes talk about, that women are more likely to get help mm-hmm. or to disclose when they have issues. Maybe. Or maybe women are just more fun to do shows about that. They know. get more emotional. I don't know. One of the They're reasons more- I stopped watching the second episode after I finished the first was because the first didn't end well. It mm. ended with like, and this person refused to get help and any therapy. Oh, Why? that's awful. <laughs> like, oh, wow. That's and she really did sad. not live happily ever Kinda, after. Kind of, yeah. That's was, horrible. I know. It was really sad. Uh, but it is more common among older adults. Um, mm-hmm. It's three times as many adults 55 to 94 years are affected by hoarding disorder compared to adults um, like 44 years under. But I also read that it usually starts pretty young. It starts around like ages 11 to 15. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it just gets worse with age. Huh. So that's I think, interesting. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons that in talking about it like this is important because – I mean, if there are those kind of tendencies building up in someone, it's good to nip it in the bud. Right, right. Build some coping skills for right, it. Right, right. So when we start talking about risk factors and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it can be really important to kind of look around at people you may know who are experiencing those risk factors to see that they're not turning to this as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Clarification, it is not collecting. Hoarding is not collecting. I saw that written so many times, which... Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that needs clarification, I suppose. Uh, but but collecting involves looking for specific things. You, When you're a collector, you look for very specific things. And you also display it. Like when you are a collector, you want people to see your collection and you're proud of it. Hoarding is not that. You're not looking for specific things. You're not displaying it in any way. Um, you know, people who have collections will keep them organized. They'll kind of keep them like all like out in their homes and Mm -hmm. and people who are hoarders don't have any of that organization like you said just chaos Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm talking a lot i have more i can continue but i'm just talking a lot (laughs) i would like to talk about the causes can i I do that please do yeah i mean you know it's it's like so many things that we talk about with mental health that it's not like black and white what the cause is but some some things that may uh, contribute to a person uh, having this disorder, and the first one is is basically brain stuff, which is usually mm-hmm. Anna's thing. So I won't. Uh, it's just that there are altered brain connections. There have been studies that showed that there's in some people who have a hoarding disorder, they've had abnormal brain development and and brain lesions mm-hmm. sometimes wow. lead to compulsive behaviors like hoarding. Sometimes hoarding can begin after brain damage like mm-hmm. from surgery or a stroke or a brain injury or an infection, something like that. So a person who's never had that issue before, that trauma uh, to their brain. Well, and that's it, that it's it's a trauma. Right. Which is a huge cause of this kind of thing developing. Also, I thought it was interesting that it says that compulsive hoarding is often seen in individuals who are on the autism spectrum mm. or also those who have ADHD. I thought that was interesting. Man, ADHD has so many comorbidities. You can go in so many directions with yeah. that, can't you? Okay, so so the brain connections are the number one kind of cause. Um, kind of along with that, the idea of serotonin and OCD, uh, research shows that uh, serotonin 
plays a big part in OCD, which mm-hmm. which we've talked about before. Episode um, 59 is OCD. We are going to be referencing OCD a lot in this episode just because they are so closely connected. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear more about OCD specifically, we do mention hoarding in that briefly, Right, we I do. Think. But 59. So you might remember us talking about serotonin too if you're a regular listener, Sipster. And serotonin is a chemical that your brain uses to transmit information. We talk about it a lot when we talk about depression and stuff too. So altered serotonin levels may play a role in compulsive hoarding. And and Anna said something about the older people having, Mm -hmm. having this disorder. This note says hoarders may develop the condition much later in life. But, and it says, but they but they can start young and then it gets worse as they go. Well, see, I... I think it's just not as noticeable when you're exactly. young. Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. That's what I was just going to say. Like, yeah. y- you can start hoarding, but it's not going to become an issue until you've hoarded enough that it affects right. daily life. And quite frankly, if you're a kid, you're in a household where probably a parent is saying pick up those wrappers and throw mm-hmm. them away. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you you have a significant other person, uh, a guardian person who's who's helping you to maintain that. Hopefully. Yeah. Which is something that I want to talk about later too, about having an, another person around that can skew your diagnosis if right. someone else is kind of in control of your environment. Heredity though is is one of the the uh, notes that I have that, what well, am I trying to say? One of the... One of the causes, risk the factors. Causes. Risk it's factor, in, that's the one I was... It's factor yeah. list, yeah. yeah. But, but that's, that's interesting because I don't... I mean, I guess it would be her, heredity in that the anxiety portion of uh-huh, it uh-huh. is hereditary but also it's nurture because if your kids grow up in a house with a hoarder right probably so it's kind of nature activities. versus nurture yeah. thing yeah one of the episodes i watched had like it was really sad the woman who was the hoarder one of the reasons she had started hoarding was because her husband was really mentally ill with schizophrenia mm-hmm. and they had a daughter who the daughter still lived at home the daughter was schizophrenic and a hoarder Oh my gosh! Yeah, double whammy. So, so she, but she, she even said she's like, I was, I was a hoarder because my mom's a hoarder. Like uh-huh. I saw her doing that my whole life. So. Oh wow! Well, this note says that up to eighty-five percent of people who have compulsive hoarding usually can name at least one other family member. Oh, at least. So sure. that's eighty-five percent. And Anna said the environmental conditions. You know that if you not only if you've learned it, um, but also many people who face early deprivation can develop mm-hmm. hoarding and you know you hear about kids who are in foster care and they hoard food and stuff because they don't know if they're going to get any i also right. have read some things about how people who live through the depression would be hoarders mm-hmm. people who live through any kind of time where they didn't think they'd get enough or they didn't think they'd ever get that again you right. know that yeah, feeling wherever there's scarcity they want that food scarcity. As, a, as a comfort feeling mm-hmm. exactly and and above and beyond that, just anything stressful in life, like a divorce or a death, can trigger hoarding behavior to either begin or get worse uh, because of loss, because of the stress of the loss. And, right. Um, and and just I mean that goes back to trauma. I mean I mean people right. have extreme reactions to trauma, and it's not surprising that this would be one of them. But. But yeah, man, some of those stories again, like you can kind of really pinpoint that in the hoarders i know i keep Mm -hmm. referencing that but it's so like watching that is so clear as Mm -hmm. to like what happened to these people and then that's why they're doing this Mm -hmm. like there there was one woman who talked about one of the things she was hoarding was like stuffed animals like teddy bears Mm because she said teddy bears had been like her only friend as a kid 
Aww. and that that was really important to her. Gosh. There was one whose hoarding got way worse, like I said, with her husband's mental illness. There was one, one, she developed hoarding after going through 15 deaths in her family. Oh, my Lord. Including her husband in, like, a really short time. Like, yeah, no wonder. Yeah. But just trauma. It's just trauma. And, right. And, yeah, it's so sad. I was thinking about um, someone that, that I used to know that was a hoarder. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, you know, I was trying to think, too, about a cause, like what the trauma might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for that person, it might have been that that he had a lot of, of struggles in his life, like health struggles. Yeah. And I think maybe it was a control thing, mm-hmm. you know, because a big part of OCD is control. Right. And I think for that person, it was that he couldn't control his health and what was happening there, but he could control buying five five of these and six of those and i think that's another symptom of of hoarding is that if if they are a person and that's that what was that word that you use that they keep acquiring oh yeah that you know they just have things that have never been opened they Mm -hmm. just they're they buy things and stack them in a corner and 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 it it can go in so many different directions because it can be things like that new things that are purchased it can be it it can be garbage basically it can be trash it can be You know, old Christmas wrapping paper or um, old newspapers. newspapers. Yeah, newspapers and magazines are big. Yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of like when you when you think of like hoarding, the image that comes to my mind, and I don't know if this is because it's been like TV shows or movies or whatever, but it's that like newspapers and papers like stacked up to the yep. ceiling, and then there's like a little narrow, and that narrow corridor thing, like like is so true Mm -hmm. i mean that is really what hoarders do there's just like one pathway to get through the house which is very claustrophobic i was just gonna say when i think about it it makes me feel claustrophobic Mm -hmm. but yeah one good thing about watching the hoarder show is it does make me want to clean really bad (laughs) like maybe i should just watch that show and then like clean my entire house get rid of everything (laughs) going on purge yeah Mm -hmm. i understand that so speaking of like that little corridor thing, mm-hmm. um, I mean, one thing about hoarding is that it really does create really cramped living conditions. I mean, I kind of talked about that with like the non-intended use of the of the rooms or whatever. But it, it does like like I said in the few episodes that I watched, there were like at least two instances where people had been like removed from the home because it was not safe. Mm. And it really does. Like, it makes complications where there's. Um, fall risk because you're going to trip over things things are going to fall on you and injure you it's going to and then there's like fire hazards i mean there's a lot of of physical safety issues and physical health issues because a lot of times those houses are super dirty because you can't clean when there's all that junk so so there's a lot of like sanitary issues there's a lot of health issues but there's also a lot of interpersonal issues like if we're talking about the way Hoarding affects someone, affects their life, and causes that significant distress that we need to look for to to say it's a it's a diagnosis mm-hmm. is like I mean it's going to cause social isolation. You're right. not going to want people over if your house is like that. Right. So you're going to shut yourself off. There's going to be family conflict because, like you said, the people around you are going to be wanting to get you out of that. I mean, there's like legal issues like eviction, like like some of the people on the show that were going to get kicked out of their apartment. One person, I think, had been kicked out of like five rentals in the last like 10 mm. years just because it gets so bad. Right. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of those legitimate issues. But the problem is that people don't see it as a problem. Like when that insight is not good enough, 
I think that it causes a lot of relational relationship problems in that, you know, that one of the worst things that you can really do with a person who has a hoarding disorder is to confront them and be like, you got to get rid of this stuff. This is ridiculous. You know, like to right. be in that mode because that only causes more anxiety for the person and, and they get defensive. And like we talked about, they don't see the problem. Right. And so then they, they get defensive. And I know that I've only watched a couple of those shows too, but in the couple that I saw, it was, it was always like the children of the hoarder. And they were struggling, you know, Pissed. because, yeah, they're, saw, yeah. That, why can't she see that she mm-hmm. can't, we can't even go see her, she can't see her grandchildren, you know, right. that kind of stuff. So, yeah, one one in the, in one of the episodes I saw was like, you're choosing this over us. Oh, yeah. Like, you're choosing yeah. this, and, and she, in kind of one of the talking heads to the, to the show, she said, I just want her to, like, choose me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just want her to choose us for once. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sad. You keep saying that. <laughs> so sad. I know. Hey, everyone, I'm sorry. It's so sad. This is making Anna Make very some sad. jokes or something. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, let's talk. You want to talk about the levels. Let's talk the about levels. the levels. Yeah. I have one of those little charts that I like so much that has the little <laughs> pictures and everything. Sure. Yeah. Okay, this gets kind of gross. I have to give you like yeah, a... Yeah, there's a little disclaimer here because yeah. they go into some... It's um, kind of a trigger warning, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. So the one that I looked at had five levels. So level one, I, I'm just going to kind of read it the way this little chart does it. Um, light amounts of clutter and no noticeable odor. So just, you know, my junk house. sitting my around. House. Yeah, That's yeah. my house. <laughs> um, and all doors and stairways are accessible. So that's okay. level one. And quite frankly, a lot of our houses could probably well, be in that category. It yeah. d- if you have stuff stacked around and, you know, you know, you're clean so you don't have any odor. But level two... Which, how... So how does that... I don't know. I mean, I know that it's just the first level. Right. But I, I'm struggling to see how that's... I mean, I guess that's just in the in the first stages of hoarding, probably. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so with each level, I want you to keep the things I've already said, because they've already done that, and yes. then they add on. So in the second level, we add on that there could be some pet waste on the floor, or at least stains from, from pet waste... Um, evidence of household rodents. Mm-hmm. We're, we're accelerating quickly in level two. Uh, yeah. Um, overflowing garbage it gets cans. Gross real quick, yeah. folks. Dirty food preparation surfaces. So that's level two. It's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. We have all this that. Is level two, level two, yeah, five. We level go two all the way to five. five. Yeah. Okay. So hold on to your hats. Buckle up. Here's level three. We add on at least one unusable bathroom or bedroom. That's what Anna was talking about, that those rooms are so filled that they can't be used. It's interesting to me that the the bathroom and bedroom would be the first things listed because those don't seem like the first ones that would acquire clutter. I think a bedroom that wasn't a bedroom probably, normally yes. used, but not a bathroom. No, not a bathroom. It would be like a living room or something, but I guess if you had more than one bathroom. If we would have had that in our home with one bathroom, we would have been in big trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, several overflowing garbage cans is added to it. And here it adds odors throughout the house. Is this two or three? This is three. So now we're starting to have odor in the yeah. house. On my list, three, like level three also lists um, like at least two appliances have been broken for six months. Ah. Um, there's some maybe structural damage on the house. They talk about the number of pets maybe exceeding regulations and like how how animal tanks and cages are going to be neglected. And yeah, rodents. They talk about rodents. Yeah, so rodents. I'm not going to talk about rodents, rodents. But they talk about rodents. Okay, I'm I'm moving to level four then. I was outside yesterday. This is off topic, but rodents. 
leads me to bugs. I don't like the outside. <laughs> Turns out. Because <laughs> there's bugs out there. There's bugs out there. Yeah. I was trying to do art and there's just bugs flying around me and I was like, get away. Those little those little fly bugs? No, there were like wasps. <laughs> there's a lot of wasps this year. I've noticed that. Yeah. And those big fat bees too have been yeah, around. Yeah, those big bumbles. Yeah. But look how pretty it is out there when you look out the window. Yeah, it's hot and there's bugs. I want to stay inside. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's level three. Okay, level level We're four. Through the gross, level everyone. four is going to get more gross. Okay. There are no clean dishes or utensils anymore, none. And here comes the bugs. <laughs> this is when the bugs enter the picture big time. Great. Um, and this is when you have more than one blocked exit, mm-hmm. so you can't get out of the house or in the house from the normal. Okay, so all the way to level five is all those things we already mentioned, which did include the rodents and the bugs and the broken appliances and the unclean utensils. So we're going to add to that, and Anna mentioned something about the pets, but now on level five, it says at least four too many pets per local regulation. So there are city regulations that say, you know, you can only have so many cats or so many dogs. Yeah, what, I wonder what the number or what the average number is. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I guess you call your city and say, yeah. how many cats can right, I have? How many cats can I have? <laughs> how many cats is it legal to have in your house? Ugh. Okay, here's the gross one. <laughs> Noticeable human feces mm-hmm. in this one. And rotting food on surfaces and inside, usually a non-working refrigerator because right. that's one of the appliances that goes first. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to add to that level five grossness? Um, I mean, no, that's pretty much it. There's, there's probably going to be structural damage and it's going to be more severe. In level four... And then, I mean, going on to into level five as well, there's probably going to be like, oh, there's going to be like mold and mildew throughout oh, the building. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Odors, suicide. The smell up. will be so bad. Yeah, yeah. I know in one of the hoarders that I watched once, there were, she had a whole bunch of cats. Well, and then animal were, hoarding is a specific thing. It's a different thing, yeah. But they were, they were finding dead yeah. animals. Well, so, okay, funny story. I, oh, uh, <laughs> it really funny or hilarious. just gross? It's, no, it's hilarious. Okay. Uh, I, I looked up because I was like, what's the worst hoarding that there's ever been? Oh, God. Well, I didn't look it up for very long because they're all pretty bad. I don't know what I expected. <laughs> but one of them talked about a hoarders episode where a person was hoarding. This is gross, everyone. I'm so sorry. Dead cats <gasps> and putting them in like a freezer, like one of those like like standing freezers, like chest Oh, my freezers. God. Yeah. That's and, a whole nother. Yeah. And and I mean, like, again, if you put on your sympathetic hat, you can figure it out because she to- she talked about on the episode how she would find these, like, dead cats. Like, they were dead when she found them. And she took them with the intention of eventually cremating them. And she just never had the money to do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I mean, like. Good intentions, very, very bad it's, ideas. It's rooted in 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 goodness. Mm-hmm. It's just very, yeah, not neurotypical <laughs> at all. It says on. I'm sorry. The list I'm looking at at level five says individuals with this level of hoarding usually have noticeable symptoms of depression. Oh, it's not going to happen to level five. Okay. <laughs> So again, that kind of reminds us that like so many different disorders, mental illnesses, that 
there are a uh, there's a lot of comorbidity with hoarding. Yeah, a lot, a lot. Well, yeah, because I mean, the depression plays into it, especially if we're looking at it through a trauma lens. Right. Then the depression's going to play into it. I, I because it is so closely linked with OCD, there is that huge anxiety piece that goes in, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's where that like you know the thought of getting rid of this stuff causes them a lot of distress. Just that's anxiety. That's their the way their anxiety is built having this stuff around actually decreases their anxiety. Right. Somehow Whereas, it, yeah, someone else going into the house is probably going to experience crazy anxiety right. just because of the way it looks. But but it also is such a, like, I think one thing we have to remember is it has built up. I mean, it doesn't start with level five. Right. We walk into a level five hoarder's house, we're going to be overwhelmed by it. But it, it has built up for them so right. slowly that they don't even register that as... I mean, I'm sure they register it as abnormal, mm-hmm. but again, it kind of goes back to that insight thing. They, they but maybe, but maybe not, depending on their mental illness, because as it's you said, true. some of them are actually delusional, so they yeah. actually really, literally cannot see it. True. Yeah. So speaking of it being closely related to OCD, uh, I saw something that said some estimates have as many as one in four people with OCD also have compulsive hoarding. Which again, one in four boggles me a little bit that they put it as a as a like, contingency for OCD if it if it's that low. So I still struggle to see. I mean, besides the anxiety piece, mm-hmm. the connection to OCD because to me, I mean, one of the things that I read about the hoarding thing is that they can't. One of the things that their brain misfires is categorizing mm. that they can't categorize correctly. They don't organize things right. well. So they just throw it all in a pile. But to them, that's well, organized. That, yeah, that goes along with not being able to categorize something as trash or right. as that's useless or, yeah. or as something they should get rid of. I, I think it goes back to OCD, or at least the way I look at it is the obsession is I need to acquire more. I need to keep this stuff because that will keep me safe. And the compulsion is acquiring and keeping Right, it. right. Okay. You just completely explained it. <laughs> Good job, Anna. I don't know why they didn't click for me before. Obsessive. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes in my head, I get a picture of OCD as a person who's very organized. And like right. like that the obsession is to organize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the neatness. And I just, I, I totally buzzed right past that. I, I don't know why. So thank you. Thank you for clearing that up for me, Anna. You're so welcome. I was confused for a minute. But I, so you said earlier, let's talk about treatment. And yeah, let's, let's yeah, talk about yeah. it. Because unfortunately, the treatments that work for OCD have not had a great track record with helping uh, hoarding. So, so that is kind of upsetting. And like, there's not like a medication that's going to stop you hoarding. I do think that if you are medicated properly, to address depression concerns and those anxiety concerns that that's going to help right and so there's not there is not a specific medication that they that they they will prescribe for hoarding disorder but like anna said quite likely they might start with an antidepressant Mm -hmm. which you know would help with that serotonin stuff that we talked about and if that's an issue for them some kind of ssri probably if the medication doesn't work, then what we have to look at specifically is therapy. 
I don't know what you read, Anna, but CBT was the one who kept coming back over and over again. Whatever. Everyone loves CBT. <laughs> Everyone, let's all it's just, a, let's it's all a just favorite. make a parade for CBT. Everyone loves. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't expect wow, myself Anna. to get so salty. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Oh, okay. CBT is fine. Well, the odd thing is you use you use some CBT, well, so it's not you like you're, you're just not a CBT I, therapist. I just don't se. get the slavish devotion to one type of therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everyone kisses CBT's feet, but it's just one part of the puzzle, okay? <laughs> <laughs> kissing kissing feet is not what I wanted to say just then. I'd like you to- <laughs> then then it, you'll like this note that says CBT is more than just talk therapy. There you go. It goes beyond talking with the therapist. How? Wait, what? (laughs) You have to do stuff. You You have have to do stuff. I mean, well, that's true in any therapy. (laughs) One of the things that they talk about, though, is that often when, you know, very rarely would an extreme a person with extreme hoarding disorder come into a therapist's office. No, absolutely So not. probably the way they're going to get around a therapist in the first place is that someone in their family comes to therapy, which yeah. was my experience this past week. Um, and then you, there's some interventions. And if, if nothing else, perhaps some sort of therapist might go to their home mm-hmm. and work with them. Mm-hmm. And that kind of happens in those hoarder shows, right? Yeah. They, do they have like social workers or something that... Yeah, they were the the two people. So like each episode has like two different stories in it. And one of them had, what'd you call herself? The other one called himself a hoarding expert. And he, he was interesting because he was a hoarding expert because his mom had been a hoarder. Oh, there was actually a really sweet moment where he like hugged the person that he was helping and he was like, my mom got way worse than this and I don't want to see you get there. Oh, It was really sweet. I thought it was a really good moment of self-disclosure. Uh-huh. That one was really interesting. The It was, again, super sad. Super, hey, everyone, you're ready for another sad thing. Uh, she, at one point at the beginning of the show, she was she had really good insight like she would get really distressed when they were like working on the cleaning part and like Mm -hmm. the organizing part but she also had really good insight about how bad it was and actually her house was not as bad as the other ones like it was it was pretty cluttered but it was cluttered and not like disgusting you know like human feces yeah exactly yeah she said if jesus came to my door i don't think i could let him in because i'd be too embarrassed oh it's really sad man but I think she I think she uh, was more receptive to she was in the same episode as that one that was like she didn't take therapy or she didn't do anything mm. so uh but this one came out better huh I think so, oh, uh, so. she at least wasn't getting evicted by the end of the episode oh, which that's was a, good which that's was a, a good thing up. yes yes yeah. that is a good thing so when we talk about treating uh, hoarding as well, there are some strategies that just kind of go beyond therapy because I do think it is a good point that there's steps that have to happen before this person is going to agree to therapy. Right. So one of those is going to be just in this kind of, okay, as much as I trash talk, it goes back to CBT, but it's it's challenging the hoarder's like beliefs about the need to keep those items and basically what what acquiring new things and what keeping those things is going to do for them which again they have thought of like usually they have a really good idea like there was uh one moment where they grabbed this like unworking vacuum that was like sitting in this woman's yard and she's like well i'm gonna fix it up and and sell it at a garage sale or something and the the woman hoarding expert i don't know hoarding phd or whatever uh she said what's your track record 
with fixing things and selling them at garage sales. Mm. And the woman had to be like, well, I've never actually done it. <laughs> but you could see that that kind of, uh-huh. like they're, the wheels were kind of yeah. turning in the oh. woman's mind. Like, well, yeah. And I that's a technique it. that we use in therapy mm-hmm. in other situations where you ask the client, you know, has this ever happened? Yeah, have you ever you know? done that? Yeah, you have this belief, but has it ever actually worked out that way? And it does sometimes make a light bulb go on. Right. You never know what's going to make the light bulb go well, on, That's man. really true. That's really true. I mean, obviously, some important steps in the process of treating hoarding are going to be cleaning mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting rid of that clutter. Um, they do mention that you you have to do that with the help of, like, a clinician or a coach or or some someone outside of the situation. Like, a hoarder's not going to just be able to clean their house. Right. They're going to need some outside interference before right. they can do that but by the same token it's they over and over again talk about that it's really important that you just don't go in there with a bunch of people and start throwing stuff away because right. that would add to the trauma that's causing the hoarding in the first place yes um actually one thing i saw about that said attempts to clean out the homes of people who hoard without treating the underlying problem usually fail families and community agencies may spend hours and thousands of dollars cleaning a home only to find that the problem recurs often within just a few months Mm. hoarders whose homes are cleared out without their consent often experience extreme distress and may become further attached to their possessions Mm. so so yeah i mean like again and i think that goes back to good intentions and just really not understanding the level of trauma that you have to address and that's what it goes back to and that's i mean like God, I've gotten so trauma lensy as I've gotten older, I think, man. I think that's the 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 core of it. it I is. really do, that it's you a cannot, trauma thing. Yeah, you cannot treat... It's just putting the Band-Aid on it if you're not treating the underlying trauma. And whatever the underlying trauma is, even if it doesn't register as like a big T trauma, right? It's it, it was enough to cause this to happen and we can't, we can't fix the problem without fixing the why. Exactly. So the moral wow, of the story, that was very therapeutic of you. Thanks. With the moral of the story is you have to get therapy for your trauma, everybody. <laughs> right, right. Because trauma causes all sorts of crap, if not hoarding. And your brain will figure out ways to cope with that trauma. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways it might choose is hoarding. Exactly. Because it's going to be looking for something to give it comfort. Right. To protect it from the trauma. And as always in treatment, it's really important to understand that relapses can happen. That, you know, even if you have a plan for reducing future clutter or reducing, like, buying things in the future, that relapse can happen. I was working with a client this week, and they were just really upset that they had had what they called a relapse. Like, I don't know if they called it a relapse. They called it a setback or or something. And Mm -hmm. we kind of had to talk about, like, you know, progress isn't linear, And you're not just going to keep getting better and better. You're going to go through these ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And we can't see the down as like a total relapse. Yeah, give up. Because you're still higher than you were. Right. You just dipped back a little bit. That's really true about all mental health work. Yeah. You have to be ready for those setbacks and Mm -hmm. and be aware that you still have grown, as you said. Mm -hmm. You're you're growing more than you were in the beginning. You're further along. I don't know, like, thinking about the trauma thing, I mentioned earlier, like, it's a safety thing to have all this stuff for them. Like, one of the things I saw under risk factors, under, like, oh, stressful life events, um, one thing they specifically mentioned was, like, losing your possessions in a fire. Oh, yeah. And how that would cause, like, an instinctive need to 
acquire mm-hmm. and acquire and keep mm-hmm. that, which is very ironic because then it becomes a fire hazard when you get too much stuff in your house. But I, I mean, I think like that kind of thing, there was like one of the case studies on the show, the one whose husband was suffering from mental illness. One of the things that I thought was really interesting was it kind of came out of the blue, but but she was like, well, if he leaves, I'll have what I need. Oh. Or like if he's not around anymore, you know, mm-hmm. something happens to him. So so it is that it's that safety thing. It's that and her daughter, like the daughter of this person was like, I think she wants to have more stuff so people don't think she's poor. Oh, one of the things that I read was both about it was about divorce and death. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about that it, it often divorce is often a trigger because of that losing. Yes. You know, you're losing your spouse, you're losing the life that you expected. So you hold on to things to try to hold on to a life, right. try to hold on to some kind of level of what you think life should be like. But the other thing that really was kind of hit close to home for me was um, the death of a loved one, especially a parent, it talked about. But I can I can vouch for this with your, losing your spouse too. That that then getting rid of stuff after they're gone feels like a betrayal. It of does. Some kind. It feels like you're giving up on that person or getting yeah. rid of that person. And so I think a lot of people go through at least levels of, of of hoarding stuff. And so it makes sense. Like that person you talked about that had like 15 deaths. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I know that like after after my mom died, my dad stayed in the home. And so dad didn't really change anything. He just <laughs> kept all the stuff. Yeah. And then at, and dad was kind of, he was acquiring was things. He was a little bit. He was he liked the, his toys and and the paperwork too. Dad had like <laughs> bank statements for like. Papa was someone who very much liked to keep every paperwork and everything and yes. write dates on it and right. Have it very, he put dates on everything. That's every true. every card I ever got from Papa <laughs> has a date on it. That's really true. So then when when Dad passed away and we had to to clean out the house and stuff, and it was nothing like you know like these the hoarding issues or anything that, but there were stacks of paperwork mm-hmm. in the in the little office area that that we all had to go through pictures so many pictures mm-hmm. but you go through that thing where you and there was still stuff from mom because dad hadn't gotten rid of mom's I mean we got rid of some of her stuff when she first passed away but there was still like knickknacks and things mm-hmm. that belonged to mom and those are the kind of things you think oh, how do you get rid of yeah, that you yeah. know mom liked that so much how do you get rid of that so if you're dealing in your life with with losing loved ones, you might be struggling a little bit with that. And one thing that I've I've experienced just in this short time since my husband passed away is that I kind of went the other way where I felt like I just want to simplify my life yeah. because I had just cleaned out my dad's house a year earlier and then my husband passed away. And, and I was thinking, man, when I die, I don't want my kids to have to go through all this She stuff. has made that comment to me several times. She's like, I'm yeah. trying to get rid of everything so when I die, you guys don't have to like deal with Nick. Yeah. And also, I don't want them looking through stuff going, why did mom what was mom thinking why this is where mom kept all her porn (laughs) wow mom was hoarding porn the basement's full of it Anna Marie (laughs) no maybe not porn but other things that are weird (laughs) what did mom use this for I don't want to (laughs) know mom has a whole room full of wet wipes what is that about Probably a sex thing. <laughs> oh, Anna Marie. <laughs> she says Anna Marie like that whenever I talk about sex. I'm not sure why she can talk about sex. I can't. I'm a grown up. Bonnie Ray. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a flashback of my mother just then. <laughs> 
that compliment for so me. So that must be where I got it from. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now that you say that, she did used to do that. What? When I would talk about something kind of off color, <laughs> she would say Bonnie Ray. <laughs> That's where I get Anna Marie. I guess. It's like someday when you have a daughter, you will have to scold her in that manner when she talks about sex. (laughs) Except it doesn't work on me like it must have worked on you because I'll just keep talking about it. I know know with each generation it gets worse. We're off topic now, right? Yeah. Wee wee. We (laughs) here. Wee wee. Episode police. I will never forget the what I when my when my mother came to my house. I was I had children. I was a grown woman. I had children, and she came to my house. And when I got home after, and the kids were asleep, and my mom had this look of dis, disgust on her face, and she said, "I saw what you're reading," and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, what am like I reading?" It was it was a cosmetology. A cosmo, <laughs> I can't say the word. A cosmo. Cos, a cosmo. Like magazine. A magazine yeah yeah that's and i mean this was like back in the early 90s so <laughs> before it, cosmo was as yeah crazy like it is yeah it's now. pretty crazy but but i mean i was a grown woman with children <laughs> and i was reading a cosmo magazine and my mother was like bonnie ray that's smut <laughs> i felt really guilty i didn't buy another cosmo for a long time <laughs> she was right cosmo's bad <laughs> it's pretty bad it's, it's pretty, pretty bad, bad. Yeah. not for the reason she may think <laughs> pretty bad all right i didn't mean to get completely off topic that was pretty bad that's okay do we need to bring it back around and put closure on it i don't know i mean i think i think that's what hoarding is and i think so i think uh, two things one we always talk about being self-aware so if you're listening to this episode and you're like oh my god i think i might be a hoarder well if you think that then chances are you're probably not at least not very seriously on the spectrum of hoarding. Right, right. However, if you feel that that might be an issue, then Now's look into it. Time yeah, to go to it go to therapy and mm-hmm. and talk to somebody about you know what this might be dealing with in your life. Mm-hmm. That maybe you are dealing with uh, trauma or or anxiety, and this might be one of the ways you're coping with it. The other side of it is if you have a loved one who is a hoarder, um, and that can be very frustrating and and. Uh, very sad, as Anna kept yeah. saying throughout this episode. It's very <laughs> it's sad. It's sad. It would be sad to watch someone you love um, go through this. Uh, a good first step is for you to talk to somebody about how to talk to them mm-hmm. so they don't just rush in there and try to fix it and try to right. let let someone who's more experienced about this topic help you know how to deal with it. Right. Don't try to do it alone because right. it's it might not end well, basically. Right, right. It is a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. And so it's not to be taken like, you know, well, they just want to do this. Right. So. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that goes with any mental health struggle. It's like people are very unlikely to choose something like this of their own free will. Exactly. I mean, yes, they're engaging in the behavior and that's under their control and everything like that. But also there's a lot of weird brain stuff that makes that not as in control as we think it is. Mm-hmm. So be compassionate. But realistic. That's a good way to say it. Okay. Okay. Should I thank our listeners? Yeah, that's all I have. That's all we have. We didn't hoard a lot of information. Nah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gave up on that so easy. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> a little, you're like, yeah, you're right. It was bad. It was, bad, it bad. was really just bad. Oh, bad. 
So Sipsters, we want to thank you again for listening. It's always so good to have you with us and and we do invite you to join us next time. I also encourage you to go back and because that's something I've been doing. Go back and listen to some of the old episodes and um, maybe there's some that you missed. Maybe you've just recently joined us or even if you've heard every single episode, that would be pretty amazing. If you've heard every single episode, you are like a, a golden challenge gold star sipster we really appreciate you but you can go back and listen and and see how funny we were <laughs> we're <laughs> we're mom we're working on it we're working on it i don't know what that means <laughs> we're, we're both going through some stuff right now so we've, our our uh, our funny is is Turned struggling down a, a little yeah we'll get there we're working on it we're working on it so stick with us, Sipsters, because we are funny. Promise we'll try to be funnier some other time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for listening to us talk and get arrested <laughs> for not staying on topic. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're Freudian Sipspod on everything. Our site is FreudianSipspod.com. Our email is FreudianSipspod at gmail.com. And you can support us on Patreon if you would like to throw a few bucks our way. And please remember to leave us a nice rating and review. We haven't gotten many reviews lately. So hmm. if you haven't reviewed us and you want to give us a few a few stars to make our day better, then review us wherever you're listening on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Those are some really good places to review us and our theme music is sweeter vermouth by kevin mcleod and it sounds like this